Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Priya Gupta from Triangle Eye Consultants in Raleigh, North Carolina. And with me I have my friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Brandon Ayers from Will's Eye Hospital. Today we're going to be talking about the prevalence and diagnosis of MGD. This past summer, a group of 12 experts got together to discuss the importance of diagnosing and treating meibomian gland dysfunction. Today our discussion will focus on the key consensus findings from our discussion. Brandon, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. This is a really important topic. Um, I think with all things, we should start um, looking at the big picture. So let's talk a little bit about the prevalence of MGD. Um, we know that MGD is something that's very common, but not a lot of people maybe look for it or think about it. What do you think about that? I agree. Um, you know, we live in a specialty world and uh, we're seeing patients sent in all the time with, with a given diagnosis, but blepharitis tends to get underrepresented. Um, to me, it seems like almost everybody has some form of lid margin disease, but I think in the, the bigger picture, a lot of people aren't looking for it and it gets to be a little underrepresented in the, uh, especially in like a primary eye care setting where uh, maybe the focus isn't so much on, on disease. And you know, you mentioned our kind of specialty clinics. Um, cataract surgery is obviously a big part of um, uh, what we're doing as ophthalmologists. And there was a great study that was published um, not that long ago, and they found that over half of the patients presenting for cataract surgery actually have MGD. So we know it's there. Um, and unfortunately, not all of our patients are sitting there telling us, I have MGD. <laughs> Make sure you come and, and treat me before surgery. No, I'm actually surprised in some ways that that number is that low. Um, you know, we've seen other studies where, you know, the prevalence of other ocular surface diseases is so high in patients coming in for other problems, cataract surgery, allergy, contact lenses. And the a, a challenge here is that many of those patients are asymptomatic. And so you've got to be very proactive and you have to look for that diagnosis because although maybe that patient's not complaining about the, the initial uh, problem now, once you do some kind of intervention, whether it's surgical, medical, uh, glasses, contact lenses, then they become symptomatic. It's really important, I think, to address the problem before the symptoms start, not after. Critical. Well, the panel of 12 experts were asked, um, what percentage of dry eye patients do you believe have MGD? And um, they came up with 85% uh, had MGD. So. I think when I was asked that question, I actually said 100%, um, but I think 85% is probably uh, pretty accurate. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that you, it's hard to find a patient that doesn't have it in your day. Um, and we really can't rely on symptoms, as you pointed out. It is something that um, I think we need to get into the habit of um, putting into our kind of pathway of how we examine patients. And, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Just looking for it or having it in the back of your mind can really, um, I think, make a difference in terms of identifying it early, but also maybe even having happier patients because you're, you know, a lot of them come in saying, oh, you're the first person that's told me this, but you know their disease yeah. has been there a long time. Absolutely. And I think having some kind of a protocol that you do for everybody to help you screen patients yes. in or out is critical. And it doesn't have to be a, a big laborious uh, exam. This can be something that you integrate into your everyday test, slit lamp exam, an exam of patients, and probably within a few seconds, you can screen patients for lid margin disease. I think you just really um, nailed it right there. A lot of pushback that I think we get from our colleagues is that I don't have time for anything else. I'm already doing all this other testing. You know, I have to see all these patients. And this does not have to be complicated. It's something that um, does not require a lot of um, additional testing. Of course, there are 
great diagnostic tools like mybography and other things, but simple things like just pressing on the eyelids can be meaningful in terms of evaluating the quality of the glands. So um, it does not have to be expensive or hard. No, I agree. And it can be daunting. The world of ocular surface is so confusing with so many treatments and different diagnosed, uh, diagnoses, different therapies. Uh, some expensive diagnostics, some inexpensive, but the most critical diagnostic tool is a clinician, you know, and, and we're there for every single patient. So just having a high index of suspicion and a good exam is really all that you need. However, if you want to, you can get this as in-depth uh, as you'd like with as much fancy diagnostics as you can as you can have. It's true, as with all things. Um, I, you know, some of our colleagues actually um, don't believe that, you know, MGD has an impact on um, you know, not, not only our surgical outcomes, but maybe even on vision. Um, I think you, just like me, believe that the tear film is the most important refractive surface. So walk us through what patients might actually, you know, tell us, but without telling us <laughs> that they have an unhealthy tear film. It's, it's, it happens all the time, and we catch this in the office uh, almost on a, on a daily basis where somebody's coming in complaining of poor vision. Um, and we know from some other studies that one of the biggest differentiators between the healthy surface and the unhealthy surface is that fluctuating blurred vision. And it's so tempting to hear somebody say, well, my vision's not what it used to be, and you right away go to look at the lens, oh, you've got a cataract that's got to come out, or, or whatever your other diagnosis is. But really listening to the patient, um, is this a consistent blurred vision? Has it been progressive? Is it on and off? Does it get worse as the day goes? Is it when you're reading? Is it, you know, there's all these questions that you can ask and you can quickly begin to differentiate. Well, maybe there is a cataract and a lot of these patients have concomitant diseases, but maybe you need to look at that ocular surface first. Because uh, in my experience, there's no question a healthy ocular surface leads to a better surgical outcome and a happier patient after that surgery. Absolutely. The tear film is the most important refractive surface. And so if you have an unhealthy tear film, your patient is not going to get the most optimal visual quality. So let's spend a little bit of time, Brandon. You know, we, we just barely touched on diagnostics and, and how do we diagnose patients with MGD. So, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion about what do I look for? You know, is it the structure? Like, are we looking for meibomian gland atrophy? Is it the function? You know, should we be more focused on some of those metrics? You know, in your clinic, what what do you what's your kind of pathway or protocol for diagnosing MGD? It's really a mixture of those two for us. Um, the first is looking for it, and I, I will say up front that we don't put every patient through a large battery of diagnostic tests if they don't have it. So we have patients coming in for all different reasons. Um, but if, if I'm at all concerned that somebody has an ocular surface component to their, to their problem, we're going to look pretty closely. Um, and the simplest thing, and this, the first thing, is just a tear breakup time. I, I, I put fluorescein in and I start counting in seconds. And I work in Philadelphia, so I do the one Philadelphia, two Philadelphia. <laughs> you can use whatever you want. But if that tear breakup time is rapid, then I'm going to put them into, um, you know, maybe do my biography and do some other diagnostics to look. And just looking at the lid. Right, so we were you know, both part of the ASCRS committee where we have the, the pre-surgical um, uh, protocol and it's LLPP, so it's, it's look, lift, push, pull, and push. You know, I have the patient look up, I push in the lid, and I uh, kind of use my own grading system for the, how many glands are working and the quality of the myobum that comes out of those glands. So critical, yeah. so critical. Um, and it's easy. I, I, I pretty much, you know, operate under the same uh, criteria that you do and to me, you know, the one thing that I might, you know, if I put a plug in for anything. So first of all, I, I fundamentally believe that you do not have to have, you know, fancy equipment to diagnose MGD. And 
as you said, I love that mnemonic LLPP because it really makes you do a complete ocular surface evaluation. We know that not all um, ocular surface disease is one slice. It's often multifactorial and it involves different things. So you need to look for all those. But um, mybography has been something that I didn't know that I needed it until I started using it. Um, for those of you out there that don't know what mybography is, it's an infrared image of the meibomian glands and it's used to assess um, the, pre the presence um, or absence of meibomian gland atrophy. There's scoring systems, et cetera, but I kind of use it um, as a twofold approach. So one, it tells me what's going on um, kind of at the root of the problem. So if the patient has, you know, a, a very extensive history of disease, they might not know it. You know, they often patients are asymptomatic for a long time, but if they come in and they have 80% atrophy, that tells me that that is not a mild patient, and I'm probably gonna have to do a lot of uh, multiple therapies uh, to help improve their situation. Whereas when patients come in and you know they have their anatomy still present, so they have very mild atrophy, that's more dysfunction. And you, you can kind of be a little more hopeful in that patient population because they're, they're often, you know, a, you're able to rehabilitate those glands with different uh, interventional therapies. And um, I think, you know, first and foremost, not only, you know, for me to be a better clinician, but education, you know, don't you feel like my biography, the, my biography is, is so a valuable. great educational tool. And in and, and many of these patients who are asymptomatic, it's really hard to drive home how important it is to do this treatment. And why are they, we asking them to do these, you know, warm compresses and scrubs <laughs> and medications when they don't feel it. But when they see that there's lid margin disease, it drives home that there yes. is a problem, even though I maybe don't see it. And that's that dichotomy of, of structure and function. Absolutely. Some of these tests were looking at function of the tear film, others are structural, and they don't necessarily relate, but I agree with you. I would much rather see a poor functioning tear film that has the structure there, because to me that means there's something that I can fix. Absolutely. And there, I think there tends to be a tendency in ocular surface treatment to wait till the end, wait till the patient is symptomatic, wait till it's bad, then start mm -hmm. therapy. Um, and I don't know if that's right, you know, and I think, actually I know that you've got some really <laughs> good data and publications looking at lid margins, these all the way into kids. And why, why wait, you know, Absolutely. why wait till patients are symptomatic or that structure is damaged and gone. And now we have a much harder time improving the, the function. It really is. I mean, just from years of doing this, I'm sure Brandon, you feel the same way that if you can intervene earlier in a disease course, you're going to be, you know, more of the hero. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be able to move the needle. It's easier to fix something when the structure is still there and you still have things to fix. The more end stage a disease is, the less there is to recover. So yeah, my plea would be start early, treat early. Yeah. And it's really, you, you brought up a very uh, important point, which is that why wait until they're symptomatic? Um, we know that patients don't often exhibit a, a full battery of symptoms until they're actually very you know, I would call it late stage even, you know. So if we want to make that meaningful impact, I think addressing it sooner rather than later is really critical. So I think the summary of this is everybody should do an exam yeah. on the lids. Every Absolutely. every eye care professional, take a look at the lids and look for lid margin disease. Absolutely. And that brings us to our, you know, consensus question uh, number two here. Um, the panel of experts were asked... Um, to rate their level of agreement with the following statement. Routine eyelid evaluation, including meibomian gland evaluation, should be a standard part of ocular surface disease exams. 
Um, and we, uh, the panel said 11 out of 12 strongly agreed that this should be kind of a routine reflex. Um, and one agreed, just not strongly. <laughs> That's true. Right? So That's everybody, true. everybody at least agreed. That's just every, right. Everybody else strongly agreed, just one person was a holdout. And just, That's right. Just agreed. Exactly. Uh, not strongly. Absolutely. A, a really a, a critical part. If we're not looking for it, we're not going to find it. Um, so we talked a little bit about, um, you know, our diagnostic tests, uh, tear breakup time, slit lamp exam, mybography, um, and you know, really, you know, when we look at just overall um, kind of implementing this into our clinical practice, um, what's your best advice to uh, someone that wants to get involved with being a better diagnostician? What what should they do first? Well, you know, I think it all starts with interest. You know, making sure that this is something that you want to tackle. I, I think. The, the basics of treating lid margin disease and ocular surface disease do not require a specialty or a fellowship training. It just requires somebody to take interest, listen to your patients, and uh, begin treatment. The, the slit lamp exam is very easy, the LLPP, um, looking, pushing, grading, mybum, following your patients over time, maybe implementing some kind of a... Uh, a test like the speed score or a questionnaire diagnostic to, to, like questionnaire you know, yeah questionnaire just to just to, to, to raise a flag if there's a if there's a, if a patient answers some questions that would indicate service disease and then you can move on to something that looks at structure and mybography is no longer a very expensive tool there are lots of devices out there that you can use for infrared imaging of the lid margins and i would agree with what you said before it's a great diagnostic tool, it looks at structure, and it's a great educational tool for your patients. And then you have to get involved in treatment. And I think to do a really good job at treating lid margin disease, you've got to be comfortable with the, the, the basic therapy, the, the medical therapy, but you should also have at least something that addresses the obstruction in the lids beyond a warm compress. Uh, and there's a whole host of different devices out there to help us uh, treat our patients. Yeah. I think also, you know, just starting somewhere is very critical. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're going to get over the mountain of, of feeling like it's all new to you. Um, in my own practice, I, I started out just imaging the patients that came in with symptoms. And to me, it got me comfortable with looking at the mybography images. It got me thinking about MGD um, in this, you know, in that population. And then from there, we, we use mybography to assess our refractive surgery patients. Um, certain cataract patients will even um, do mybography on. And it's because there's real disease that's out there. Um, the refractive surgery population is of particular importance. We know that dry eye can be a common um, uh, symptom of patients that are unhappy with refractive surgery um, postoperatively. And so uh, we published a study that looked at the prevalence of meibomian gland atrophy in people just coming in for uh, LASIK evaluation. And you know, there was quite a, it was like 40 or 50% of patients had some level of atrophy. And those are the ones that you want to mm -hmm. catch before Absolutely. you touch. <laughs> Especially the ones who are coming in and they're asking for a refractive procedure. Yeah. Because they come in and you're really screening to try and find a patient who's very healthy except they need glasses or they have a mild cataract. And if you give them another problem, they're very upset with that. Absolutely. And also I think that it's, it's really smart once, uh, the way you worded this was, you know, once you get comfortable with the diagnostics and you begin to see between the lines, you know, how, how the lid uh, imaging and function integrate 
or, or sometimes how they don't integrate and the different <laughs> the different treatments and how you can step up your therapy with different patients. You become much more interested. You become you become a better clinician and a better a better um, better at treating the disease. And it also broadens your spectrum as to you know well, where else am I seeing this? Like with your refractive patients, mm -hmm. with cataract patients. It just makes you a better doctor and allows you to treat patients more effectively. I couldn't agree more. So the next consensus question um, to the panel of experts was that should myography be performed uh, at the point of care with ocular surface disease patients? So, you know, should we be doing this um, in our patients? And nine out of 12 believed that myography should be performed at the point of care for all ocular surface disease patients. Um, and then, you know, Brandon highlight the fact that there are others, other takers here too. <laughs> yeah. So really, so another 25% also said that yes, um, any OSD patient that was suspected of having MGD should also be imaged. Um, and so just a very small percentage saying it should be just case by case. Yeah, the, um, so I'm more in that camp where if you think somebody has surface disease to really help separate who's got lid margin disease, is it structure, is it function, is it aqueous tear deficiency, the more data I have, the better. I don't screen every patient coming through the door with my biography, but anybody who I think has OS, ocular surface disease, um, whether I think it's lid margin or otherwise, is gonna get a biography. Uh, uh, yeah, and then the same question was asked, but um, instead of ocular surface disease patients, but asking about our cataract um, patients who are coming in preoperatively. And six out of 12 believe that biography should be performed at the point of care for all cataract patients. Um, and then we had another, uh, so that was about half, and then uh, another 42% that said yes um, for any patient that was also suspected of having OSD. Um, so, you know, here it's a 90 plus percent uh, agree that we need to be incorporating this and looking for it. Yep, and I think initially I was in the camp that I would have only done my biography um, in patients who I had suspicion of, but after talking to you, maybe I'll do it in all of my patients. <laughs> this go. is, of course, assuming that you have my biography. Yes. You know, and and I, I believe that almost everybody in that consensus panel had a way of imaging. So, again, if you're going to take an interest in lid margin Absolutely. disease, you know, should you invest in my biography? It's probably not a bad idea, and luckily, it's not a terribly expensive investment. I was just gonna say, it's 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 very accessible. It's something that applies to a broad category of patients. So, top three takeaway points here. I'm gonna give you my first one, okay. and that is that lid margin disease is much more prevalent than than we think it may be. So, you gotta look for absolutely. It. What's your number two? Number two is that patients aren't gonna tell you they have it. So. Um, if they're they're often coming in asymptomatic and we have to be proactive about looking for it if we're going to catch it early. All right, so it's there, look for it. And I would say number three takeaway point for me is treatment. Um, take interest in your patients, look for the disease, and if they have it, doesn't make any sense to diagnose it if you're not going to treat it. So if you make that diagnosis, start with some kind of uh, treatment regimen. And I believe we'll be talking about treatments in yeah. a second, and second uh, segment. Absolutely. So if you're interested in a more in-depth discussion of our consensus findings, I invite you to read the full supplement in CRST and Modern Optometry. Brandon, thanks for joining today. Thank you.